0: Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. So good to be with you today in church and I want to say a special greeting to all four of our campuses that are joining us by simulcast and online today. And I want here Austin, Austin and Kyle and Lake Travis. All right, all you guys, I want you to welcome our newest campus, Liberty Hill. Come on everybody. <laughs> We're so thrilled to have you guys with us, and it's good to be together today. And we're we're all together because we're launching a brand new series called "All That Matters," and "All That Matters" is a really important idea. We're going to talk about things that truly matter in our lives, and uh, there's there's several ideas that we really embrace together as one chapel and. Uh, I think every campus has these four steps on the journey hanging on a wall somewhere. And those four steps are, we want people everywhere to experience God. And when you, when you come to Jesus for the first time, you experience him in a way that is really foundational to your life. And the good news is, it's not just one experience, but there's a, a, multiple experiences because it's a relationship, and so it's so significant that we experience god but then when you come to jesus guess what you're not kind of done with all your problems right you you you, you got some more stuff you got to walk through and that's why it's so important that we find freedom everybody say find freedom you got to find freedom and we do a lot, of, a lot of ways we can do this, small groups and things like Catalyst, which is our leadership and discipleship experience and, and there's ways that we get rid of our, our, our wounded yesterdays and we experience freedom in Christ. And then we, and then we, we go from there to discovering our purpose. Everybody say discover Purpose. You you have to discover a purpose. The two best days for you were the day you were born and the day you discovered why you were born. There's something powerful about realizing that God has a purpose for you, specifically for you, the way you're wired up. He has something for you, and we want to discover our purpose because we are all called to make difference. Say it together with me. Make a difference. Making a difference is what we're doing here. It's so important that we believe that the ultimate purpose for our gathering, for us to be together as a church, is to make a difference in this region. To do what God has called us to do. And as we hit the fall and we have a kind of ramp up into the holiday season. It's really important that we understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. And we're going to focus, we're going to turn our focus on others. We've had several really good series where we're talking about really profound things that influence us. And now we're going into the fall to kind of look outward, to lean outward into our region and I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about that in this series called All That Matters. So would you pause here and let's before we go to the scripture let's pray. We're going to go to John 15. It's right there in your message notes, but let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us and that you are moving us along in our journey with you. Lord, I pray that you would Today, open the scriptures and let it come alive for all of us together. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, verse 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If we continue along in the reading, in verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, Jesus said, and remain in his love. So we see here that God really likes it when we bear fruit, when we make a difference in somebody else's life. And notice what he, it reveals, notice what reveals whether or not we're a Jesus follower whether we're a disciple, is remaining in God's love, but not just just remaining in his love, but doing what he asks us to do because we love him. And this begins to bear fruit in other people's lives because the love of God doesn't just come to us, it pours out through us, that's the purpose. And so you look at verse 11, it says, I've told you this so that my joy, everybody say joy, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, what you may not have realized so far in your faith journey is that God puts something inside of you. He puts something in you that when you help someone else, it brings you great joy. It brings God's joy out of you. It gets into you, and then it it begins to draw out of you, and your joy is complete when you love people like God loves them. And listen, it's important for you to know that what you do inside these four walls is significant. It's valuable. What you do to serve one another, what you do to take care of our family, and I just appreciate the the teams who all set up at four different campuses today and, and made sure that everything was right, but the 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 important thing that we have to see is that God is calling us beyond our family and what matters most is loving people who don't know the love of God and how we love them and what we do with them is what really counts in a way where the Christian faith, where your faith, the rubber meets the road and people experience the love of God through you. Some of you don't know what that joy is like yet. Some of you, it's it's a complete joy that you experience in impacting somebody else's life, and their life has changed because of you. And we're not just doing this series so that you can help all these people who are out there who need help. We're doing this series because I want you to experience joy. I want you to experience the kind of joy that is deep and fulfilling and the reality of what God wants for your life. So this is for you, not just for people who need you because real joy is not just going on vacation, although I love going on vacations. My wife is a vacation gal. She'd rather have vacations than diamonds. She's a quality time girl. Stuff. Although she is wonderful to spend time with. See what I did there, gentlemen? Real joy is not just winning football games, although, last second field goals are pretty awesome. They should have won that game by a lot more than two points. Real joy is not just making a lot of money, even though I lack money. Real joy is when you live for the good of another person. And listen, you may not believe it. You'll have to try it to experience it because sociologists have actually called this idea something called transcendent living. There's an idea here that people recognize everywhere that humans are wired up for it. It's when the way you live, live be, lives beyond yourself. It's what what I live, when I live my life, it goes beyond me and it goes into other people and we call this around here leaving a legacy and that's what we're doing this fall as a church is we're we're leaning out into people's lives and when we live this way God does something so profound he he gets involved and God blesses us. He blesses you and me so that we can be a blessing to others. God says, if you'll live like this, I'm gonna bless you. What does the word blessing mean? It's your first fill in the blank there on your message notes. Blessing means when God says, I'll give you more than you need personally. I'll give you more than you need personally. But I'm not. we're not just talking about money here today. No, we're... We're, gonna, we're talking about ideas. We're talking about health. We're talking about talents, opportunities, peace, gifts. And it's for you. You should use what God gave you. It, it should be used for you. It's okay. I want you to use it for yourself, God says, but I don't want you to use it all on yourself. Don't use it all on yourself. And this is challenging in our culture. In fact, the journey of our Christian faith began with this statement to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and what is this next phrase? I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse And then it says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And that's a big deal. God says, I'll give you more than you need. And so you can be a blessing to others. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. In other words, Abraham, your blessing is going to live beyond you. The blessing I give you is going to live beyond you. And when your blessing lives beyond you, we call this At one chapel, we call it leaving a legacy. When your blessing lives beyond you and starts to influence other people, it's called leaving a legacy, a legacy of God's grace, a legacy of God's love, a legacy of who you are as a person and who we are as a church, who we are as a family. Some of you are like sitting here, you're like, come on, man, you're talking about a, you're claiming a 4,000-year-old promise to one guy for yourself. And I would say to you, yes, I sure am. Because it's not just for him, it's for us too. Look at Galatians 3.14. This is in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is talking to a group of believers and he says, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed us the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Everybody who's not Jewish. Everybody who's not from Abraham's line. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. See, it wasn't for just one man. At one time, God said, I'm going to do for you exactly what I did for him. Hey, everybody, this is why we exist. So this blessing can be realized to the rest of the planet. Don't forget it because it's easy to forget, right? It seems like all around us is a gravitational pull to selfishness towards our own desires. And so throughout the New Testament, there are reminders over and over again through the scriptures that this is just, that's not just about you. It's about other people. And you got to embrace that. Look at this passage in 1 Timothy. In the scriptures, a lot of times the Books of the Bible are named after either the writer or the person it was written to. And in this case, it's written to a pastor, a young pastor named Timothy. And the apostle Paul is writing to him and he says in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Who richly provides us Check it out. Look at it. With everything for what? What? Our enjoyment. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He says, don't put your hope in wealth. That's a dead end. You can't depend on it. He says, put your hope in God and stay with me on this mission that I've called you to, this purpose. Check this out. Hope in wealth equals arrogance and uncertainty. All you have to do is look around in our culture, and people are putting their hope in the stock market. They're putting their hope in their career path. They're putting their hope in in the lottery sometimes, It's all bad. None of it works. It's all uncertain. It's It's all anxiety and pressure. But look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, put your hope in God, and that will result in His provision and your enjoyment. Provision and enjoyment. Hope in God results in provision from Him and enjoyment. God provides you with everything you need, and it's okay. You don't have to apologize for it. Now, to be fair, not everyone buys into this idea. There's a something called the ascetic gospel that we don't necessarily subscribe to. It kind of says it simply says you're only really godly when you're poor and you have nothing. I don't think that's what the scriptures teach. God has blessed us with things and we should enjoy them cuz he loves us, right? Examples would be houses, cars, clothes, queso When I came to Austin, I enjoyed a little too much queso, never been able to get it off. There's, um, there's all kinds of things in our city. It's growing like crazy. Property values are going up. Population is growing. And there are all kinds of people in this city. And you could complain about it. You could whine about it. And many of you do. Oh, the traffic. Oh, people are ruining our cool city. Listen, make no mistake. It's not necessarily about the economics or the taxes. God has a plan. I'm just telling you. Thousands of people gather in one place and God has a purpose for it. Thousands and thousands of people come in here every year. Don't complain about it. Turn it into something that is a blessing. That's your role. As God's people. Our role is to be a blessing to other people with what we have. We take those things and we turn them into something good for others. We're generous, we share, we are rich in good deeds, this passage says, and in doing so we find a life that is truly worth living. Good deeds and generosity will result in a life that is really living, like it's actual living, It's not just being alive, it's living a life to the fullest as Jesus described it. And this is why Amy and I, my wife, have always believed that our house, our cars, everything, it's not ours. It belongs to God. We're just stewards. We're stewards of what he's given. It actually belongs to him. So when people are in need, they stay in our house. We've had people over the years, many, many people, stay in our house for a period of time when they were in trouble or when they were trying to get on their feet or they're trying to discover kind of where the next season of life was gonna come from. And that's just part of what we believe. When we give cars away, like we give our cars away to people in need and, and there's a thing there, there's something happens that God smiles on and it's so important. Andy Stanley, the brilliant author and pastor of North Point Church in Atlanta he he wrote this book and the book's called How to Be Rich and the premise is that he he believes that more people are rich than they actually realize and that 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 a lot of us are rich and we're not good at being rich we're bad at it and so um Gallup did this survey and uh did this 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 survey to people about how much they would need to make in order to be rich. Okay, so how much do you need to make in order to be rich? And the national average said that rich equals 150,000 a year. 150,000 a year and then you're rich and they asked people who made that amount of money and they said no way it's not true. <laughs> no way it's not true. You don't know what my bills are. You don't know what it costs to go to college. What I'm paying for college. It's like that's not it. They didn't feel that way. So they changed the survey and they decided to ask people who made 30,000 to 35,000, how what wh- how much do you need to make to be rich? And those people said 75,000 is rich. Like when when you make 75, that's when you're really rich. But you ask those people who make 75,000 and they'll say no. That's that's not rich. That's not enough. And then they asked those to subscribe to Money Magazine. Yes, there's a magazine where you read about money. I don't know. I guess you need to have some to get that. And uh, and those people said, and those people said, they asked how much how much do you need in liquid assets to be rich? And they said you need five million five million and so but if you ask them are you rich they'll be like no like what is the problem here what is going on right because here's the bottom line nobody is rich but everybody knows somebody who is (laughs) nobody's rich but everybody knows somebody who is it's always them it's these other people so what's going on here who are these wealthy people anyway Here's the truth, if you make somewhere between forty-four and 45000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the richest people on the planet. Think about that, it's in your, in your message notes, 1%. 1%. You're the top of the world. Now, here's the problem. Church, church, look at me. Most of us don't feel like that. Most of us don't feel like we are in the top of the world. But that is who we are. That is who we are. If I ask you how many of you are rich, you'd say no, not me. But if I asked how many of you are blessed, well then you might say yeah, I'm I'm blessed. I wanna be blessed. And it's a thing, it's a perspective and I I can prove it to you because Andy Stanley, he says we have rich people problems rich people problems, you know, like for instance, the Wi-Fi in this airplane that I'm flying in is so slow. <laughs> right? Like like okay, here's a, here's a, here's another one. The clothes that you put on today actually live in their own room. <laughs> and you went into that room this morning, it's called a closet. And most of you went into that room this morning and said, I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a problem. Like we have to have perspective. Now listen, listen, listen. I'm not trying to guilt you. I don't I don't wanna use guilt's not a great emotion as a leverage tool. I I, I don't think I don't think we need to have guilt as part of our life. In fact, I think God doesn't want us to be guilty. He wants to free us from that. But he does want us to be responsible. He does want us to be good stewards of what we have. He wants us to remember that we are blessed. He wants us to remember. Now, I'm not talking about your money. Listen, (laughs) listen, relax. There's no special offering at the end of this service. We already had the offering, okay? It's not just about money. I want to I remind us today that you have more than you need, and together, as one chapel, we have a responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. The reality is people with more money are typically less generous. The people with less money actually end up giving more as a percentage. That's, those statistics are widely known. The more you make the giving percentage goes down. Why? Cuz you're you have more attachments. You want to control more things. You want to get more convincing that we need more, even though we have everything we already need. As a Christian, I don't, want, I don't want to ever do this. I don't want to live this way, and I don't want our church to live this way. I don't want us to think this way. I want whatever God gives us, that we're the kind of people that are willing to give it away and be generous to others, that we want to be blessed so that we can bless other people. Let's decide to share with other people. Here's what Jesus said about it in Luke 12, 48. He said, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Listen, one chapel, family, we have been given much. We are really blessed. We have four campuses and a vision for at least 10 We have two beautiful church buildings, one at Lake Travis, where I was last week. It was awesome. And a beautiful church building at Liberty Hill. So beautiful. And I've been jealous on more than one occasion of those buildings. (laughs) Breaking news, though, here. Well, Austin, I'm I'm breaking news right here. I think we're going to make a board of directors are going to make an offer on a building right here in Austin. I can't tell. I can't tell you. Can't tell you more about that right now. I will. I will tell you about it in the coming weeks, as it as it happens. But but I I think here's my, here's our point. Our faithfulness, our consistency, our willingness to be generous. God blesses that, and He allows us to be a blessing to other people. And Kyle, even I don't want to leave you out. Kyle, the they're looking at a piece of property. That they want to purchase, and I think it I think it really is possible, so i'm I'm pretty excited about where we're headed. God is blessing us, but to whom much is given, then much will be required. We shouldn't stick our chests out and brag about how much we have. instead, we should do something with it and because something is required of us. Look at this, we believe that God has more and wants us to have more. Some of you are like, whoa, 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 what are you saying? We believe that God has more. In other words, there's no end to what God has. They're like, like He's got more. He's got plenty. He has, has more than enough for you and me and everybody on the planet. God is more and wants us to have more. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor Ross. Are you, is it, can that really be scriptural? Do you have scriptural backing? <laughs> yes, I do. And here it is. God is motivated to make you rich in every way. Remember, not just about money. not just It's about health and energy and love and gifts and your time. Like this is what 2 Corinthians 9.11 says. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be, what does it say, generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We're enriched not so we can be rich. We're enriched so that we can give some away." So we can give it away. God wants us to have more, but we can't forget what the more is for. God wants to ha- us to have more, but we can't forget what the more is for. It's the message in a sentence. We can't forget what God's done for us. I'm I'm trying to get us ready for what God wants to do here at one chapel in the next few months and what he wants to do in the next few years. I want you to believe it. I want you to embrace it, what God is doing with us. Now listen to this. In in Jewish culture, in Jewish law, the oldest son always uh, gets what's called the double portion. It's a double portion of inheritance, and I, I always thought it was just because, like, he was first because he's like the best. <laughs> Any firstborns out there? Yeah, I'm a firstborn. I just like yeah, okay. It's, it's I, I thought it was a favoritism scripture for a bit, but it's not. There's really something there. Actually, my wife Amy is a is a lastborn, right? So she's the baby of the family, and her and I have had lots of discussions about all this. Stuff and and, and 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 how she's uncomfortable with some things, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And because I'm the firstborn, I'm responsible for the family. And that's why we have a great marriage. Because she wants to be taken care of. She's taking care of five children. She's really good at it. But there's something here that I think we have to get about the firstborn in the scripture. Here it is in Deuteronomy 21.7. It says, he must acknowledge the son as the firstborn by giving him a double share. There it is, a double share of all he has. That son is the first sign of his father's, what does it say? Strength. First sign of his father's strength. The right of the firstborn belongs to him. So he's giving it to his son. He's equipped the son to have the strength of the father. And that word right like the right of the firstborn, like this word right here, maybe a better translation would be, into English would be, the responsibility, the responsibility of the firstborn belongs to him. Because the reason why the firstborn son was given a double portion was so that he, could, if something happened to the father, he could take care of the rest of the family. And so the firstborn blessing is actually about firstborn responsibility it's actually about firstborn responsibility so we have a responsibility as the church we are blessed in the new testament firstborn is a big deal it's it kind of describes all christians In in Jesus, right, the firstborn among many brothers, and we're all willing and able to accept that firstborn idea, that firstborn spirit, God sees us as a candidate to live that way. And he's looking for people who will take care of the rest of the family, who will take care of others, who will not say, thank God I was first, I get my stuff, no, but that will actually look to others and, and realize that it costs us more because we're responsible for other people to experience God's grace and his love and his mercy and his truth listen this is why we give 10 more than 10% first every year this comes out closer to 15% but we we just it's a practice we give the first 10% away Every month, every every year, we give it away to missionaries sh- spreading the gospel around the globe. We we give it to church planting, to people planting churches. You invest in that by your giving. We partner with local uh, organizations and ministries right here in our city who are laser focused on social and societal problems. I mean, we are committed to that because we're blessed to be a blessing. So we give the first away. We give our first and we give our best. That's what tithing is, by the way. Tithing, some of you are like, what's that? That's when you give percentage. You, you, you practice percentage giving and you're just deciding, I'm going to give this away because this is who I am. And I just wanted us to be reminded today, the reason we adopt an elementary school the reason we gave christmas bonuses to teachers for the last 2 years like each campus each of the three campuses it, that were in existence gave to two different schools over the last couple of years and that's six schools where where it was you'd think that we you gave the teachers a car, the way they reacted, like they got a little, it was a little tiny card and we, they'd open it up and there was some cash in there and there were tears and people overwhelmed. Why? Because they're some of the most overlooked people in our culture. They're certainly underpaid and they just needed somebody to recognize them and say, we see you and we want to bless you for what you do for our kids. And we didn't do that as a project. Like that's, We don't see them as our pet projects. We see those people as valuable to God. And we see them as us. We are them. They are us. This is what God wants from us, is to take care of this family and to take care of others who are not yet in the family. And I want you to see that. Hebrews 12, 15 through 17 says, look after each other. Look after each other so that Sorry, I lost it. I lost my, lost my place. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You know what that means? It means instead of getting jealous of each other, instead of getting bitter at each other or comparing yourselves with each other, I want you to look after each other. And then, and then, and then as, we, as it goes down in this next verse, I want you to notice what it does. It's this firstborn thing again. Look at what it says. It's a passage where a famous story from Genesis where Esau gives up his birthright to Jacob. And he says in Hebrews 12, 16 through 17, it says, Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn. That's crazy. He said that he traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. And you know that afterwards when he wanted his father's blessing he was rejected it was too late for repentance even though he begged with bitter tears now what is what is this immoral thing that this passage is talking about this it's saying the writer of hebrews is saying don't be like esau why because he traded his birthright for a bowl of soup i, I my wife makes great soup my 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 sister makes great soup none of that soup is worth it None of that soup is worth it, but Esau, he wanted what he wanted now. He was hungry, and he was tired, and he said, here, you take the responsibility for the family. I want my soup now. I want want something, and I want it now. I want you to think through how that attitude comes up in our lives all the time. Because you can get anything you want in this culture. If you have a credit card and a phone, you can get anything delivered. And so there's a thing. I want what I want, and I want it right now. See, I, I don't want us to be this way. I don't want us to get bitter. I want us to understand what God is doing with us. And 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 I want us to move into this fall, and I want us to think about leaning out into our city and into the region. And so I want you to be motivated, and, and we're doing th- several things over the next few months, but I want to highlight three of them. Here's the three. Uh, We're going to doing something called Feature Presentation, which is a movie series. And a movie series is a big deal around here, but I want you to understand this series is not for you. It's not for you. It's for other people. It's for people who are far from God because they can hear biblical truths better through stories they already know. And when they already know the story... Then they, they kind of lean in, and Jesus did this, this with something called parables. And he, sh- and he told parables to illustrate truth, illustrate truth. And so we do this through modern-day parables, and these are movies. And some of you are like, well, I like the preaching better. Well, this is not about you. right like like remember we're reaching out during this time and and and, and as a as a church we're going to spend time in the shallow end of the pool we're going to spend time in the deep end of the pool but remember that our point is to get people swimming <laughs> You, you, so you've so you got to spend some time in the shallow end of the pool. And, and this is a moment where you can bring somebody to church and we'll m- watch movies with biblical truths in them and then we'll intercut them with scriptures and, and teaching in between. And this is your best opportunity to invite people to church. And I think there's something you got to get in touch with, and it's two out of 52. Everybody say it. Two out of 52. Say it one more time. Two out of 52. That means two Sundays a year. You ought to bring somebody with you to church. Now, 50 Sundays a year, you go ahead. you, you Enjoy it. M- make it happen. It's a wonderful thing, some of you. It's just all you can do to get to church with your kids. I get it. But twice a year, you ought to get that nervous feeling in your stomach. You ought to bring somebody to church with you, and they sit by you, and you're just hoping they don't sing that one weird song. And you're just like I just I, you're you're, you're going to your heart's racing and you just want it all to be good and then, and then here's the thing what happens is when that person has an encounter with Jesus because something got to him or her and they had this encounter and you'll you'll say it was the best Sunday of the whole year because you made a difference in a person's life Another thing we're doing is acts of kindness cards. You've got them on your seat right there. There's a, there's a little card, and it says, God loves you. And, and these acts of kindness cards are something we just should do all year long. And, and, and we've, got, we've got all kinds of cards out in the lobby, and, and we'll have them over the next few weeks where you just take them with you and, you and you do something for somebody else. You pay for somebody's coffee behind you, waiting in line. You pay for somebody's meal. You do something nice, and you write a little note on that card, and you make sure that people know they're loved and they're seen cause you're blessed to be a blessing. You should be thinking about how you can bless people. Then finally the legacy offering is something that is coming up on December 8th. It's the only special offering we do all year. It's one time where we where we ask you to ask God, "What should I give? What should I give to help one chapel take a giant step forward to reach into our city to help people in need to purchase buildings, to, to plant campuses and churches all over the place. What can I do? What should I do? And we want everybody to be involved. We want everybody to participate in some way and I'm not gonna give, like I'm not gonna show you sad videos and try to manipulate your emotions. That's not what this is. This is the family coming together during this season of the year as we look to the holidays and we say, okay God, what do you want us to do that gives us a chance to be a blessing, and what are we going to give? What do you want us to give? And that's all I want you to do. It's seven weeks away. I want you to think about it deeply. I want you to pray about it. I want you to ask God what he wants you to give, and to just do that. That's all. That's it. Nothing else. And when you do that, when you decide, I'm going to be part of something like that, God looks at you like his firstborn, and he likes it. Because... God likes it when we take care of the people he loves. He likes it when we take care of the people he loves. My kids, when we were living in Colorado, they didn't have extended family. We didn't have family living there, didn't have grandparents. And, and so we ended up with some what's called godparents, I didn't know this thing existed called godparents but it was it was so amazing. Their names are Jeff and Joyce Jones and they they began to watch Zachary our oldest 25 years ago. He's 25 to right now. And 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 they 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 started caring for our kids. And we we they they were babysitting and then and then we asked them to be their godparents and they started leaning into our children and taking care of them like they were their own. And they would buy stuff for them, which Amy and I really loved. (laughs) They they would take care of them. They'd take them to do fun stuff. It was amazing to have these people that loved the people I loved and would take care of them the way I would take care of them and better. And I think that's how God is with you and me. When we decide we're going to love the people he loves, he appreciates it, he likes it. He's grateful for it, and he wants us to live like this. I want to challenge us as a church to begin to think about this as we go into our fall season, all right? Let's, pr- let's pray. Close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to... I want you to really just let God speak to you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I just want you to take a moment and I want you to reflect on what we've been talking about and, and some of you, you you may feel that you are struggling with your own selfishness maybe you're self-absorbed may, maybe you realize as we've been talking that you're in debt up to your eyeballs and you, you just have spent everything that you get and you just you're, it's all about you and you're realizing I don't want to I don't want to live like I want to tell you that you can invite Jesus into the process in your life. You can invite him in and he will help you figure out how to live blessed. He will help you figure out how to find joy in helping others. And I want you to I want you to admit maybe where you've been wrong. Admit where you've kept Jesus at arm's length and maybe this is maybe this is a message where you're here at this church service and you're realizing I I don't I'm not sure I understand everything about the Jesus you're talking about but what you've described here today that's how I want to live and maybe this is your moment to say I want to follow Jesus and if that's you I want to pray with you so all over the room at all campuses I just want you to close your eyes here for a moment and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray it in your own way maybe right under your breath or just follow after me and I'm gonna lead us all in this prayer Heavenly Father thank you thank you for speaking to us today thank you for your grace that comes upon us and shows us that we have favor that we didn't realize thank you for blessing us But Lord, we want to be a blessing. We want to understand how to be a blessing to others. And we want to understand and we want to embrace the idea that this isn't all about us. Forgive us for being self-absorbed. Forgive us for being selfish. Forgive us for having tunnel vision in the way we see life. Forgive us for missing out on what you have called us to do and called us to be so I pray in the name of Jesus, you would heal us, change us, transform our thinking, help us to see the world differently because of those scriptures today, and help us to think beyond ourselves, help us to live in a way that goes way beyond us. Show us how to do that. As we follow you, Lord Jesus, we choose you. We choose to follow you. We choose to live like you. We choose your way instead of our way. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your healing and transformation. And we surrender to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com slash welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.